Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. I'm excited about this message today. I want to look at a passage found in Matthew, and um, it, it teaches a little bit about Jesus and the Jesus teaches in this passage, but it's, it's really short. It's only four verses. And I love this passage, though, because in these four verses, it has challenged me so much, and I believe it's going to be uh, a challenge and an encouragement to us today. I want to just go ahead and dive in here. We see Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 says this. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. If we go back and look at verse 36, it says, When he saw the multitudes. When he saw the multitudes. I've titled today's message, Seeing People. Seeing People. In fact, would you turn to the person next to you and tell them, I see you. I see you. I believe this is something that God wants to speak to our church, but I, I believe it starts on a personal level. So turn back to that person and tell them, I need this probably even more than you do. I need this today. Would you pray with me, church? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your presence being in this room with us right now. And, and it's our prayer that you would speak to us in this time, that you would encourage us, you'd change us, that, God, we would leave here encouraged to do exactly what it is that you want us to do, and, and that, Jesus, we would see and understand your love for us even more. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I gotta admit, as much as I don't want to, I like to be someone who thinks I'm not a procrastinator, but I gotta admit, I'm a procrastinator sometimes. In fact, how many of you are procrastinators in this room? Yeah, see, those of you that just raised your hand, you're pretty assertive. It's the people that are thinking about it and they might get around to it later. Those are the true procrastinators. Like, you might raise your hand in a few minutes. That's okay. You're in good company. It's all right. Well, I can, I can remember several years ago. Uh, we were at a store and Amelie found a picture that she really wanted for our house. So she bought it and she asked me uh, to put it uh, up in the house. So it's, now it's like number one on my honeydew list. And, and she brings it home and I get it and I'm saying, okay. So I bring it into the room and I see where she wants it in the house. I'm feeling it's kind of a heavy picture. I'm thinking, probably need to go get like an anchor to have this set in the wall, right? So it won't fall out. So I thought, you know, I'll get around to this later. And I take the picture and I set it down on the ground and kind of lean it against the wall. I'll get back to this. And all you procrastinators in the room, you know what's about to happen next. Because that day turned into day two, and then three, and four, and five. And then a week turned into a month. And Amelie stopped asking me about the picture because just like I forgot about it, now she's forgotten about it too. And we started walking by this picture in, in our hallway right there. And, and we'd see it on the ground. And every day we walked past it, but, but we became blind to it. 
Don't you know you can walk past something and see it every day, but, but stop really seeing it? Maybe it's not a, a project like a picture or something like that that you have around your house you don't see anymore. Maybe you're the shoe family. You know, the shoe family. This is when every day when you get home from work, everyone comes into the door and you kick off all your shoes into a pile right there by the door. And then the next day, you go to your closet and get a new pair of shoes. And then when you come home again, you kick them off and the pile gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But it's always been there. So you don't even see it anymore until your friends come over. And now they're like stepping, trying not to trip getting into your house through, through the field of stinky shoes, Right? Well, it was like a year later when we invited some friends to come over to our house that, that as we're walking through and showing them our house, uh, my, my friend turned to me and said, hey, I, I got a few minutes, I could help you hang that picture. <laughs> I looked at him like, oh, yeah, I haven't even seen that. Isn't it crazy how you can see something every day and can be completely blind to it? That's the way it is with our lives. I mean, not just the silly projects that we face in our lives, but when it comes to our, our walk with God, with our spiritual lives, with our, us communicating with other people, I wonder how often we're around people and we see people on an everyday basis, but we can't become completely blind to who they really are. God, help us be, be people who see people for who they really are. I've got good news for you today, though, because this is not a message where, where I would try to manipulate you or condemn you. This is not to make you feel bad so you leave here and think tomorrow morning, I'm, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do things differently and change for a short period of time and, and not allow any lasting change. That doesn't help you and it doesn't help anyone else. That's, that, that's not what this is about at all today. The good news for you is that Jesus knows that you and I have a tendency to become blind to the very things that are around us, to the people that are around us around us, to the community that we live in. He knows this. He knows that, that we're just dust. He knows that we're fickle at times. He knows that we get so caught up in our own worlds, our own responsibilities, we can become slaves to our own routine to the point to when our, now the, the people that we're coming in contact with every day since I'm in such a hurry going through the paces of my day, now I'm not even seeing them anymore. So you could go to a Starbucks and see the same person, the same barista every day, and, and, and now you're not even seeing her. And, and and you, you just start to think, well, that cashier at Walmart, he, he's, she's typically grumpy. She's typically in a bad mood. And you just go through the line and you pay for your stuff and move on. And we, we can become so blind to what's really going on all around us. And see, God knows this. And that's why he's given provision for us and he started to show us and teach us and and there's so much we can pull out of this passage from the fact that 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 God wants us to know that he will empower us and he'll help us even in these times when when we're becoming blind to the people around us because if if we take a step back and we allow God to open our eyes and actually see the people around us I I wonder if if maybe we would start to recognize that this barista that, that we come in contact with every day, that, that, that she seems like she's frustrated and just going through the paces of her day because she's hurting. And, and no one has called her by name. No one's given her any attention. That guy that seems so typically grumpy at Walmart, it's like we, we run into him and we think well, he's just grumpy. Well, well maybe he's hurting. I, I wonder if it's that we are around people and we're not truly seeing them the way that God wants us to see them. And I say this because it's kind of interesting when we look at this passage that this passage is talking about Jesus, talking about perfection. 
the, the model, the hope that you and I could, could try to live our lives after. We're following Jesus. That, that's what it is to be a Christ follower. We see what he does. We live life his way. He's the model of perfection. And we see something in him that, that really should open our eyes to what goes on in each one of us as well. Because verse 36, so interesting. But when he saw the multitudes, when he saw the multitudes, how weird is it that it would say this? Because just a chapter earlier, it's talking about the fact that he's going from town to town, city to city, synagogue to synagogue. Everywhere he goes, he's surrounded by people. He's teaching people. He's healing people. He, he has people coming to him nonstop to the point to where he's like, I need a vacation. I got to get out of here. I've, I've been around people so much, I just need a break. And he decides to leave and go on vacation. And when he goes on vacation, he turns around and sees that all these people came with me. How frustrating would that be if you saved up all your money to have a week to get away from your coworkers and you go on vacation and your coworkers are there, right? This was the life for Jesus. This is what it looked like for him. Every day he was surrounded by people, surrounded by multitudes of people. And, and the Bible says, but when he saw them, that, that means that even with Jesus, you can be around people and you can look at them and not truly see them. God, help us be people that, that, that see the people around us. Because the Bible says that Jesus saw the people. He, 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 he didn't recognize them at first, but as he looked up, he saw them and he had compassion for them. It, just like I didn't recognize it at first, but I looked up and saw that there's a picture in my house that I've walked by every day, and now I see it clearly. I wonder if God wants us to look at people around us and, and see them for who they really are. See, of all the people in the world, you and I should be different. Those of us that follow Christ, we, we should be different when it comes to the way that we communicate with that barista at Starbucks or that, that, that guy at Walmart who's never known a day of customer service in his life. We should be different. Not because we're better. We, we should treat them better. Not because we're better, but because we see people differently. We see that people are hurting. We see that people are, are, are lost in in and feeling weary and broken down and tired and, and without direction. In fact, this is what Jesus says. It says when, when he looked up, he saw the multitudes and he, moved, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. This is saying the people he saw around him were exhausted. They were tired. They had no leadership. They, I wonder what it would feel like to go through every day of your life with no leadership, no hope, just not knowing, like, what is the plan? Why am I even here? And there are so many people on, in our community, on our planet, that, that are walking through life weary, tired, exhausted, having no hope, having no shepherd to lead them. And, and here we see... We see that Jesus has such compassion for them because he looks at them for who they are and they're, they're people that are, that are hurting. Do you ever look back and, and remember what it was like before you met Jesus? Do you ever look back at your life and think of, uh, of how tired you were and how, how, how you were going through life without direction, how angry you were? I mean, you think about that. And, and, and there's a lot of times we can get frustrated with the people around us and maybe we shouldn't get frustrated because if we look back at our own lives, we were that grumpy person. <laughs> 
I was that difficult person. I was the one cussing people out in traffic. And, and I wonder, if we're honest, will we look at ourselves and say that maybe we should look at the world around us that's hurting and hurting people around them and start to recognize that they're hurting because they're like sheep without a shepherd. That, that, that they need a savior, that they, they need a flock. See, it's so interesting here because we need to recognize that as Jesus starts to show compassion for the people around us, this is what we're supposed to follow as the church body, as, as a church that follows Christ. The, the gospel church is a compassionate church. The gospel church is not a critical church. We don't see the problems in other people and just point our fingers at them and condemn them and say, you're, you're wrong, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong. No, we've got to be people that see the problem and the hurt in other people and have compassion for them and recognize the reason that they're hurting is because... They haven't yet found their shepherd. That Jesus is calling to them and Jesus is drawing them in, but, but they're not yet in the flock. And, and we've got to have compassion for them because that's the heart that we see from Jesus. If we look at our own lives, I mean, we can recognize that you weren't ready when Jesus called you. I wasn't ready. I, I was messed up. I'm jacked up. We all got issues. And yet he's showed compassion to us and grace to us and forgiveness to each and every one of us. In fact, Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. doesn't say while, when we got our lives together and we started acting right and cleaned up our vocabulary, then, then Christ died for us. No, while we were still sinners, with every issue that we have, he loved us and, and saw us with compassion and grace and mercy. See, it's puzzling to me if we look at verse 36, because in verse 36, uh, uh, or in verse 35, Jesus is going out. He's teaching. He's leading people. He's healing people. He's ministering to people. He's doing the work, right? But in verse 36, we see that now he starts to, to have compassion for people, and he starts to empower his disciples around him to begin to do the work. What does that tell us? It tells us that the church was never instituted for people to come and just sit back and watch pastors and watch ministers do the work of God and, and, and then go back to our normal lives. The church was instituted that Jesus would empower each and every one of us to do the work. That we come together to, to encourage one another on a weekend and, and, and give each other a pat on the back and say, you're doing good, let's keep moving. But now, once we leave this room, that's when the work begins. When we leave this room, that's when we're supposed to show compassion. We're supposed to see people. We're supposed to move out. So Jesus begins to empower people that it, it is time for us to go out and start showing love to one another. So we see here in verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. There are many different times in the Bible that those of us in the body of Christ are referred to as being like sheep. And, and that could be a little offensive because, I mean, uh, growing up I always taught that sheep are dumb, right? But are you going to compare me to a sheep? I'm not stupid. Well, it's not that sheep are stupid. In fact, sheep are very intelligent animals, but sheep don't have any way to protect themselves, and sheep have a tendency to wander. So since they can't protect themselves and they wander away from the flock, they, they have a tendency to wander away and get themselves in dangerous places. A sheep left to its own devices will wander away from its shepherd, will wander away from its flock, and will eventually die. 
And there's a comparison here because Jesus says, I want you to understand when you look at the people around you and when you understand your own life, first of all, think about uh, sheep. Think about the fact that they have to have a shepherd and they have to have a flock. And we're the same way. You and I are the same way. Because left to our own tendencies, what we will do with our own devices, we will wander away from our shepherd and we will wander away from the flock. We have a tendency to say, well, I'm going to get out of the habit of meeting with my, my church members and, and friends and family. I'm going to get out of that habit and I'm going to stop reading my Bible every day and listening to what God wants me to do. We, we can wander away. And there's a warning there because then we find ourselves vulnerable, headed towards destruction and headed towards pain. And he's saying, man, you guys got to understand Like sheep without a shepherd, they're weary, they're scattered, they're exhausted. You have got to be connected to the church body. But most importantly, everyone has got to be connected to a Savior. Every person on an individual level has got to be connected to Jesus Christ. That you have to have a personal relationship with him. He's the one that gives us guidance. He's the one that gives us protection. He's the one that helps us in every day of our life. He said, this is what you need to understand around people. He's sharing this with us so that we'll, we'll have the same heart of compassion that he has for the people around us. So first he compares us to sheep. And then he changes to a, a different uh, analogy that people would understand in this time. This is a very agricultural setting, so every person that was listening to Jesus' teachings at the time, they would understand sheep, and they also understood that he then made a comparison to wheat, that people are like wheat. So this farming community, know how sheep are raised, they know how wheat works, and, and he says this, he says, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. That's verse 37, the harvest truly is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Now this word plentiful, when it refers to wheat, it's talking about the fact that the wheat is ready right now to be harvested. Plentiful means that this is, this is a timely matter. It's ready at the moment. Now with wheat, as with every other agricultural product, we see that time is of the essence. That it matters right now that, that you go out and you do the work. That, that, that you go out and you bring in the harvest so that it's not lost. So there's an urgency here that, that Jesus is talking about um, that everyone in this community would have understood that like, if the harvest is plentiful, then all hands on deck. And in fact, there are t- stories in Scripture and historical accounts as well that talk all about the fact that when there was a harvest that would come ready, every person in the community would go out into the field and work the field so that the harvest would not be lost. That would mean that there were doctors and lawyers that would be out in the fields farming at the time, harvesting at the time. That would mean that there are people who work with textiles or, 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 or just children who didn't have jobs at all that would now be out in the fields. Why? Because... It's important. This is the time. We've got to understand the timing is now. We've got to get out there and do the work. So then he goes on and he says that the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The laborers are few. So it's talking about the fact that what's needed here is workers. That, see, you and I can't control when a harvest is ready. Jesus is saying, that, that's on me. I will draw a person's heart. I will get them ready to to come to the Heavenly Father. I will get them ready to come into a personal relationship. What I need is for for willing people to go out and do the work. 
And that's what I, I love about breaking down this word uh, laborers is it doesn't say workers. It doesn't say craftsmen. It doesn't say horticulturalists. It doesn't say botanists. It doesn't say anything that would say anything about a skill set when it comes to agriculture. There's a difference between being a laborer and being a worker. A worker would imply that you have some sort of skill set. A laborer implies that you have a willingness. That I'm willing to go out and do the work. Why? Not because I'm gifted at it, but because it needs to be done. And all hands need to be on deck. That, that there is a responsibility for everyone hearing the word of God. That we are to go out and, and do the work of bringing the wheat back to the farmer. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, I've already prepared their hearts. I've already gotten them ready. I've been leading them closer and closer. I'm trying to draw them to me. I wonder, is there anyone who's willing to be the laborer who would go out and say, you know what, I am going to tell them about Jesus. I am going to say, you know what, Jesus, um, Jesus does love you. And, and I just want to invite you, would you come to church with me today? See, I can tell you that there's, a, there's this attitude that I come with sometimes when, when I start to tell someone about Jesus. And I think if you've ever been in an argument with someone about religion, you've probably done this before where we think, you know what, there's going to be a conflict if I tell someone that, that, that God loves them. There's going to be a conflict if I tell someone about Jesus or invite them to church. So what I tend to do is, is I'll think, you know what, I, I've been talking to this waiter as he's come to my table over and over and over again. And we're having a good conversation. I want to invite him to church and start, like, like I'm thinking, I don't know how this is going to go. So it's like I get my dukes up and I get ready and, and he comes back to the table and I'm like, uh, Jesus loves you, you should come to church with me. And it's like, we're expecting to go into some sort of war. But I get a different sense from this passage. I get a different sense from what Jesus is saying here. Because he said, listen, the, the, the Father's been doing the work. He's been drawing people. He's been, people recognize on their own that they're hurting. They recognize on their own that they need something different, that they need direction, that they're exhausted. They recognize that. And they just need to know that the Father loves them. And, and I'm wondering, will you go out and will you be the person that just shares that message? Would you, would you bring them back to me? Would you be the willing laborer? And see, there, there are so many times I talk to people, I just can't do it. I'm not educated enough. I, don't, I, I can't answer all those questions. I, give me some more time to read some more books or whatever. And, and then, but see, Jesus never asks the people to go out into the field to like learn botany. <laughs> he says, would you just go out and be part of the harvest? Because there's people around you that were just like you. There's people around you that were hurting, that were broken, that, that need a Savior. And, and I'm here. I'm here to save them. I'm, I'm here to help them. So we, we get into this story. We understand what he's communicating to us about his love for, for you and I, his love for our city. So we're like, okay, what's the game plan? What do we do then? And then he says to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, this is what we're supposed to do. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So, we're ready, Jesus. Okay, we see there's, there's a, the harvest is plentiful. We're ready to reach our community. We're ready to tell them about you. What do you want us to do? He says, okay, guys, everyone, you ready? Now pray. What? Pray, not go? Like you're pumping us up, Jesus, right now? We're like going to go do something? He said, now stop and, and pray? 
Like, it just seems anticlimactic, right? Like, that's, that's not what we're trying to do here, right? Well, it's like a football team going out on the field, and the coach is like, guys, we're going to do this. We're going to win. We're going to smash this team. It's going to be a great victory. Now everyone take off your pads and sit down. You're like, what? I mean, it would look like the Broncos record if everyone did that, right? Oh. <laughs> but when we stop... I know, that was bad. I got some bitterness I need to work out with God a little bit later. But I think when, when Jesus says the first thing you and I are to do is to pray, what that does is it first brings into perspective that I'm not the Savior, and you're not the Savior. You don't have to have all the answers. It, it, it's never about you, it, it, it's about Him. So when we pray, we realize that, God, you're already working on them. You're already, you're already doing it. And he says, I want you to pray that, that, that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers to the harvest. So he gives us a picture of what a biblical prayer looks like when it comes to praying for our city, praying for our community. Because a lot of us, we pray these, these candy prayers of like, um, God, would you save our city? And that sounds wonderful, but it's not a biblical prayer. Because Jesus says, when you pray for your city, this is how you're to pray for your city. You're going to pray, God, would you send a laborer into the, to, into the harvest to bring the harvest back to you? So when you pray a prayer that Jesus would say to pray about our city, it sounds like, Jesus, would you send someone who's a willing worker to go to my friend and tell my friend that you love them? God, would you send someone who's willing, who knows you and loves you, to, to my coworker that would tell my coworker how much you love them? And then you realize, wait a minute. I can't shrug the responsibility off on this one. I'm not just praying for some random other person that I don't know about. I start to recognize if I'm the one that knows this person and I'm the one that knows Jesus, then who am I really praying for? I'm praying for myself. God, would you send me to my neighbor? Would you send me to be the willing worker? God, would you change whatever's going on in me so I could become willing to go to my neighbor and show them how much you love them and invite them to church? God, would you, would you send me as a willing worker to bring them back to you? We've showed many different stories and I know around this room we could tell so many stories about how you and I have ended up in church, but I wanted to share one again. Uh, this is an invite story that we've showed here last year that I want to show again. That's just a beautiful picture of this in action. My name's Foley Scarrow, and this is my invitation story. It was about 2010. I was working at a local restaurant, and at the time I wasn't going to church. I had grown up in the church, but it was just kind of a dark time in my life. My son had recently passed away. I remember one conversation in particular was when he opened up his order book and I had a picture of a baby boy in there. And so I just, you know, naturally asked him, I said, hi, hey, is that, is that your little boy? And he said, um, yeah, that's my son. And so I asked him how old he was, I think is what I asked, how old he was, and he says, well, he passed away. I remember immediately, like my heart went to my throat. God really impressed on my heart to just pray over him, not necessarily for him, but to pray over him as we worked. 
So I did that every chance I got. I just, you know, prayed the Holy Spirit over him and his heart. And when I felt like we knew each other well enough that I could actually invite him to church um, without offending him or making him feel um, awkward in any way, I did. I invited him to church. But there was one person that I worked with, and her name was Heather. She always came to work with a smile on her face and was just always happy. She knew I was a believer. She knew a little bit about my background. And so she just one week was like, hey, you should come to church with me. And I go to fellowship, and this is when I go to service, and you should come. I was like, oh yeah, sure, I'll try and make it with no intention whatsoever of going. It was probably a couple months for every week she kept, hey, did you make it to church? And she never pressured me. It was just, hey, did you make it to church Sunday? And I'd be like, no, I couldn't make it. Oh, that's cool. You should come this Sunday. This Sunday is going to be a good service. I remember that one time we had a lunch break at the same time. And so I was like, OK, that is, this is my chance. I knew I needed to talk to him about God. And so I just sat down and um, started talk, talking to him about my experience with God, talking to him about Fellowship Church and how it's the best church ever, and um, how it literally changed my life. So finally, after six months of this, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go, so then she'll, I can say yes, finally, and she'll leave me alone. And so, went to church, and it was actually a really cool service. Then that week, she comes up, hey, did you go to church? I'm like, yeah. She's like, oh, what'd you think? I'm like, it was okay. She's like, okay, cool, I'll see you this Sunday, and I can introduce you to some people. Okay, and so I went to the service and she introduced me to a couple people and it was at that point that Fellowship Church started becoming my home church. To see what Foley is doing in this ministry and in this church is phenomenal. It's unbelievable. I'm so happy um, that God kept impressing my heart to keep inviting him. He just, it, he wouldn't let it go and it's easy to see why. He was meant to be here, he was meant to serve here, and to see how he has taken his deep hurt, he's using it to minister to others that have hurt in a similar way. So, I'm so proud of him. I'm so grateful for being invited to this church and for having a friend who is willing to be persistent and get me into this church and into this church family because I don't know where I'd be without this family. And my relationship with God, where it is now, is amazing. And I just want to continue to encourage you guys not to um, be afraid to keep inviting. Um, don't ever give up, especially when God is impressing that on your heart, because one day they just might say yes. Well, this room is full of so many stories so similar to that story because it took someone who was willing to be a laborer to go forward and invite you and I to come to church, to invite you and I to know Jesus. And I wonder, would you be that willing laborer? Isaiah 6, 8 says, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we pray right now in this room that you would help us to see people. That God, the same people we've been blind to and we've lived our everyday lives next to, 
um, for so many years. We pray that you would open our eyes to them, that we would have compassion for them, and that, God, you would, you would begin preparing them so that we can be the, the laborers that would go for you and bring people into a relationship with you. Help us, God. I pray that you give us the courage, not, not necessarily the skill set, God. That, that's all on you. We just pray that you give us the courage to be willing to invite people to church, willing to invite people to know you. We thank you so much for your love. We thank you that we're here today because of your grace and your mercy for us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. I love you, church. See you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In fact, you can do that right now. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me if you haven't already done so. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are the Lord and that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And thank you, God, for that fact. I ask that you now be my savior to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. If you prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer for any reason, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or on the web at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.